This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions Podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. Welcome along. You join us in the third of our series of England at the World Cup. It's a series that looks at how the Three Lions performed at the showpiece event with people that were there. The previous episodes in the series and all other episodes can be found at 3lionspodcast.com or your chosen podcast provider. In this series, we've already looked at the early tournaments, 1930, 1934 and 1938. Those were the ones that England didn't participate in. And also we had a look at 1950 and 1954. They can be found in the first chapter. Then we looked at 1958 in Sweden in detail with the assistance of Blackburn Rovers legend and former Three Lion himself, Brian Douglas. And I'm pleased to say that this episode, he joins me again to reminisce about Chile this time in 1962. But that's coming up later. Before then, we need to find out how England qualified. England were drawn in UEFA Group 6 alongside Luxembourg and Portugal. And they began the qualifying campaign in October of 1960, away to Luxembourg. And they came away with a 9-0 victory. Bobby Charlton and Jimmy Greaves both getting a hat-trick each, Bobby Smith getting two, and Johnny Haynes getting one. Then in May 1961, they travelled to Lisbon to face Portugal. And they came away with a 1-1 draw. Goal for England coming courtesy of Ron Flowers. September of the same year, 1961, was the return game with Luxembourg. This was played at Arsenal's Highbury Stadium. 4-1 winners England were. Ray Pointer, Dennis Violet and Bobby Charlton getting two goals. And then the last game in the qualification campaign. Home to Portugal, home being Wembley. England came away with a 2-0 victory thanks to goals from John Connolly and Ray Pointer. So England finished top of the group with seven points and a goal difference of plus 14. They had made it to Chile. After the two previous tournaments were held in Europe, the American Federation said that this time the tournament should come to South America. Otherwise, if it didn't, they would completely boycott it. And Chile was chosen ahead of Argentina. So 1962, the World Cup. 16 teams from three confederations. 10 from Europe, 5 from South America and Mexico from CONCACAF. Four groups of four held across four Chilean cities. Rancagua, Santiago, Arica and Vina del Mar. However, in 1960, 
Chile experienced a devastating earthquake. In fact, the strongest the world had ever experienced, reaching 9.4 to 9.6 on the moment magnitude scale. This was a measurement similar to the Richter scale. 1960 emerges as the most disastrous earthquake year of modern times. Thousands are dead. One quarter of the nation, over two million, homeless. Whole cities have been reduced to shambles. Originally, eight stadia were set to be used across the country. But as 50,000 people lost their lives and two million were affected in one way or another, the decision was made to reduce the stadiums down to four. Devastation was caused across the country, but Carlos Dittborn, president of the organising committee, vowed to rebuild. And that he did. The four stadiums were built again, albeit with lower capacities. This was fine, as they were still able to meet demand for seats, as international travel to Chile was far away from the likes of Europe. And such was the respect for Carlos Dittborn that the stadium in Arica was named as the Estadio Carlos Ditborn. Sadly, though, he passed away a month before the tournament began. The tournament poster was a fairly bland affair, a blue sky with stars and the earth slightly obscured by a football. And the image of the earth shows the continents in black, although the slither of Chile on the west of South America is highlighted in red. And so for the fourth and final time, Walter Winterbottom would select his group of players. Again, 22 of England's finest. They were three goalkeepers, Gordon Banks of Leicester City, Alan Hodgkinson of Sheffield United, Ron Springett of Sheffield Wednesday, defenders Jimmy Armfield of Blackpool, Don Howe, West Bromwich Albion, Bobby Moore of West Ham, Morris Norman of Tottenham, Peter Swan of Sheffield Wednesday, Ray Wilson, Huddersfield Town, two midfielders, Stan Anderson from Sunderland and Ron Flowers of Wolves, and up front, Bobby Charlton of Manchester United, John Connolly of Burnley, Brian Douglas, Blackburn Rovers, George Eastham of Arsenal, Jimmy Greaves of Tottenham, Johnny Haynes of Fulham, Jerry Hitchens, who was playing in Italy, for Inter Milan, Roger Hunt of Liverpool, Derek Kevin of West Bromwich Albion, Alan Peacock of Middlesbrough, and Bobby Robson, also of West Bromwich Albion. Now, as we did in the previous episode where we looked at the World Cup of 1958 in Sweden, I spoke with Brian Douglas, who was a part of that squad that travelled and played in the tournament in Chile. This is what he had to tell me all about it. Now it's my pleasure to welcome to the Three Lions podcast, Blackburn legend and former England international Brian Douglas. Hello Brian. Hi. Let's move on to 1962, which was the, the second World Cup that you played in for England or after Sweden. But, well, what do you remember between those two World Cups? Was, were things going well for you with, with Blackburn and, and you playing well, regularly for England? Yeah, well, we just got promoted and uh, we, we were finding a way in the first division. And I enjoyed playing in the first division, really. I think we did 
okay. Nothing within. I think we got to the cup final, of course, in 1960. That's the biggest disappointment in my football career, really. Right. I just thought we let the town down. But the good thing for me, my son, my second son, was born on the eve of the cup final. I didn't know anything about it until on the eve of the cup final, the night before the cup final, like we'd been out to the theatre or something. Right. And I got home and uh, everybody was congratulating me in the hotel. And uh, I said, what about? And they said, do you not know you've just had a son? You've just had a baby. Your wife's just had a baby. I thought, bloody hell, I thought, I nearly had a baby, I'll tell you. (laughs) And on the cup final morning, I went down to the hospital in the middle of London. Yeah. And to see the, my new son and my wife. But, you know, if it was today, there would have been, I would think that there'd been the press and um, there'd have been a helicopter or something. I had to find my own way there. I had to find, the, find where the bus stop were to get to the tube, from the tube into London, that's where the hospital was. And that's how it was in those days. They weren't wrapped in cotton bull as they, I think they are a little bit today. You think the times are different? Well, they're they're worse, well worse they're now. Pardon? Are they worse now, do you think? Oh, it's better now. Better now. Yes, better. And, and, and so it should be. Right. So it should be. I'm not envious of it all. But um, it was all very exciting. And then the postscript to all that is that um, after the game... I obviously I went to see her were disappointed but on the Wednesday I left her with the baby in London and flew out to Portugal with the England team ah. I, in other words I left her <laughs> on her bloody <laughs> own <laughs> oh, so but but if it was today what I'm trying to emphasise if it was today there'd be television there and, yes. and radio or whatever and um and my wife, to come home, she, fortunately, one of the nurses in the hospital was travelling to Blackpool and travelled with her, with a baby on the train. Wow. You know, today, I think there's been a little bit more. I imagine so, yeah. <laughs> so, I believe it was, you played 19 times for England since the, the Sweden World Cup. You, you pretty much cemented your place, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and say so you'd been in, in games against Greece, was it you said? They came to Athens. Well, I played more or less all the team. I played 36 times. Yeah. You got 11 goals as well, didn't you? 11 goals? Yeah. Um, what one sticks out in your mind? Well, they get there in Scotland, of course. Yeah. Oh, they get in Scotland. Uh, Edder as well. Well, I scored two or three goals against Scotland, I think. Uh, one was uh, around from the halfway line, more or less. And I can remember I had Edder. And I scored in the first, and Bobby Chalm laid one on in, in the first year. Right. Bobby just came in the side just after me, I think. Right. A couple of games after me. But I, I was, I'm proud to have played with people like Tom Finney, Billy Wright, and uh, Johnny Ains and all those guys. Johnny right. Clayton, of course, he was, he was my colleague in the Blackman and in the England side. Did I read as well that? You 
sort of took Stanley Matthews' place. Oh, yeah, and he, he, he wrote to me. Right. Congratulating me. Okay. And uh, I actually met his... I don't know, his daughter or something, at uh, Tom Finney's funeral. Right. And I told her that uh, he wrote to me. You know, uh, and he was, funnily enough, was my idol. Was he? Yes, he was. I used to go to Blackpool and watch him play um, whenever I could. Do you think that'd happen now? Players would congratulate another player for taking their place? Well, I don't know, but but uh, he, he was about... When I took over from him, he was about 50-odd years old. <laughs> he did go on for a while, didn't um, he? Yeah, I believe he was a, a very, very strict trainer. Right. He trained by himself. Well, Jimmy Ironfield told me a lot about him. Yeah. That he was... Uh, he trained on the sands and trained alone and did his own, yeah. own um, physical training and whatnot. Very dedicated to get where he got yeah, to. Yeah, well, he was... And Ronnie Clayton played with him, of course, and uh, I, I played in his testimonial, which I'm very proud of, okay. which was at Stoke. Well, it, I think it was his testimonial. It was an England team against yes. a foreign team. Right. A foreign mixed team. Yeah. And I was, I was very chuffed that I was chosen to play in that. So, Walter Winterbottom was still in charge of England. Yeah. We'd gone out of the the previous World Cup in Sweden. Do you remember, what again, what his thoughts were going forward to to Chile? He was a nice man, Walter, um, and he was well briefed. He gave you a good briefing. Right. Little dossiers, was it? Yeah, he, he sort of gave you a briefing on the opposition all the time and whatnot, what the strengths and weaknesses. I don't know if I should tell you this, but... We had a, a warming up game uh, on the way. Oh, I forget it. I don't, anyway, mm. whoever it was, we went down to the ground and um, he was saying, now, lads, it's very warm today. If you decide what kind of boots you play, if you're going to play your studded ones or your rubber ones, right. which is sort of... Um, he said, now... Bring your studied ones. If you're going to play your other ones, bring your studied ones. Because here, you know, he said it could... Um, it's like this lovely, beautiful weather, but suddenly it can overcome and it downpour and there'd be pulls of water. And one of the interpreters says, I'm sorry, Mr Winterbottom. He said, uh, it's not rained for the last 20 years, though. <laughs> 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 that looks like somebody fool. But, uh, yeah, we had a warming up going in Chile, I think. Yeah. I think it, well, I'm getting mixed up. Yeah. But we had this warming up game and then moved down, flew down to the... The games were in Chile. That's right, like the World Cup was in well, Chile. Well, we had a warming up game in Peru. I think okay. it was Peru. I mean, it must, I mean, Sweden, as we say, was easy to get to yeah. from here. Yeah. But, I mean, I imagine it was a real... Logistical nightmare was it well, going to Chile? Yeah, going to Chile. We flew into um, into America first right. and changed aircraft. I don't think I think in a few hours in there, and then flew down to, to there. And then when we we played a friendly, right. that was it against Chile. I think okay. that was a friendly. And in Chile, um, we went to there was a British club. 
like express. Well, what it was here in Lancashire, the the weaving and whatnot, mm-hmm. looms. Yes. Well, they were changing. I mean, there's a bit behind this door and end there. There's a big. There used to be a big mill. I mean, the weavers and everything. Oh. When I was a kid, and uh, over in there, they bought a lot of the machines that do the weaving and whatnot. And um, some of the tattlers, what they called tattlers, and the ladies who did the they got they, they were living the life of Raleigh. They emigrated to there. Right. And I remember we went to an English club, and they were all. Lancashire people, you know, and I was your birth once, my brother, you know, and I thought, bloody hell, it's good to not with somebody else's wife, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, everybody made us welcome. Yeah. And I think the England people, the England, uh, made sure that we were in good... Um, like hotels and that sort of thing. Well, we, in in the World Cup, we were on the up and a mountain. Right. Well, uh, uh, <laughs> a white dirt battery. What it was, um, it was a copper mine. They were, they were Americans. But they had a, a lot of it, a few English ladies to cook the meals for us. Right. So we were right up and we got a little train down to the, to the ground to play. I mean, I think in the first two or three games, there was only about three or four thousand watching us. Because it was a, a little village where we were playing. Right. You'd have to look it up. I, I don't know. Rankow or something, they were called. Because okay. those first games, or the group games... They drew, I think. There was, there was Hungary, the lost two. At Rankagua, where England played Hungary in the first round, there had been heavy rain. England, in their traditional colours of white shirt and dark shorts, kick off. The pace is fast, despite the rain. The game was fairly even until the 19th minute. Then Tishy cracked home the first goal for Hungary from about 20 yards. England had a few chances to score in the remainder of the first half, but they all came to naught. Maybe the England team had had a tactical talk at half-time. Whatever the case, they were managing to keep the Hungarian forwards out. One man in trouble was keeper Springett, who was having difficulty with the slippery ball. With a quarter hour of the second half gone, a Hungarian defender prevented a certain goal by pushing the ball around the post with his hand. And the referee gave a penalty. And Flowers scores. It's now Hungary 1, England 1. From this point, both teams continually piled on the pressure but couldn't break through. The game looked like ending in a draw. But with less than 20 minutes to go, Albert took a pass near the goal and made it 2-1 for Hungary. And then we beat Argentina, 3-1, and then drew with Bulgaria. That's right. Um, 3-1, I think Ron Flowers scored a penalty. Right. Yeah, but as I say, we was up in these mountains, and uh, there was a, a bridge, I can remember. They were very... The people were poor. Right. You know, they, they, they were... I know that they were, they were, we played skittles and whatnot, and there was the kids putting the skittles back up for us. People like Jimmy Greaves were giving them toffees and, and whatnot. You know. Yeah, because they say about South America being high up 
an, an altitude. Yeah, so I noticed, was it hard to breathe and play? No, it was okay. It was okay. Well, I found it okay. Yeah. And uh, we, we were, well, it was a copper mine, you see. Mm. And these people who had the houses on the copper lent, they gave us a landlady kind of thing to look after. I think I was with Jimmy Greaves. Right. Jimmy Armfield. And Bobby Moore, I think. That's right, because Bobby Moore, I think, had, had he, he just he, come into he, the squad. Well, he'd, he'd done very well in the... It was a, they always play just before the cup final. The, there's always a game on the night before, and he played in it. Right. It's um, like the under-23s against, I don't know, a mixed side or something. Yeah. And uh, he was added to the squad on, on, on the basis of that originally game. picked. And he was added to the squad, and he was in the room. Uh, I know in this house we were all in different houses, and he was in the same house as me and Jimmy Armfield, and him and, and Jimmy Graves, who recently passed away. Yeah. What was Jimmy? Past, all three buggers have passed away. Yeah. What was Jimmy Graves like? Fabulous, fabulous for a bloke that he could play like he did. You know, his head was no head, no ego or anything. Right. He was a a fabulous, fabulous bloke. Some and people, I, I cried the other week when I. Some people say he was the the best England striker. Oh, he was fabulous. Yeah. He side footed them in and he changed his feet, and it. But he's, he he was modest. That's right. what I liked about it. He didn't show off or anything. He wasn't big headed or anything. Not not most of them are, really. Yeah, the yeah, exception. But um, he was uh, I liked him a lot, a lot. And I were a bit upset when he died. Well England finished second in the group at the Chile World Cup, which meant we went on to the, the quarterfinals and again we played Brazil and yeah. you you seem to like playing Brazil. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, we lost um, to Brazil. And I say they were the. I think that's when um, Pele was on Pele, the bench. I think Pele came on the on the scene. Yeah. Then, then but there was was it Garincha? Oh, the outside right. Yeah. Well, they say he, he never added a ball, but he bloody added one in there. And another one I can remember was a free kick, rather somebody, and he. he and he, the goalkeeper hit his chest and flipped, bloomed up. Somebody came forward and added it in. Yeah. But once then, you couldn't get the bloody ball off. Brazilians, you know, yeah. You know, they just kept the ball all the time. And to be honest, I was, I'm going to say, well, I were, I was going past the left back time and time again before they took the lead. As I say, he added it in. He's like Matthews, he never the lad who scored. And Bobby Charlton were having a field day down the left hand side. And I was feeling pretty confident until he scored. And then after that, we couldn't get the ball off. Really? And the mist really closing in now. Cold mist from the Pacific Ocean making visibility a bit dicey. Out of a 27,000 capacity as Zagallo takes the corner, there's Gorincha, it's a goal! Brazil have scored! Fourteen minutes from half time, the stadium erupts, and off 
through the thunder flashes. Brazil are in the lead, 1-0. 14 minutes from half-time. A superbly taken goal by the outside right, Garincha. Nevertheless, Hitchens took his chance and it's one all. And Baba has scored it 2-1. Baba has made it 2-1. Eight minutes of the second half gone. Brazil have come back into the lead. Amarildo to Garincha. It's a goal, a beautiful goal by Garincha. Oh, that was a scorcher. Easy to say that Springer should have had that one, but it was a superb chip shot. And the whistle goes for the end of the match. Brazil have beaten England 3-1 and so reached the semi-final of the World Cup. Do you think that was a missed opportunity then? If we'd have well, gone out, scored if he'd have scored or something or, or consolidated it, we don't know where we'd have gone. But um, you've, not, you've got to remember we'd had a, well, more like also the teams, I suppose, but we'd had a hard, I had particularly had a hard season because we got promotion, we wrote, every game was a bloody cup tie from about January. So every game was a cup tie, and then there was the England thing as well. And it, well, I, at the end of it, when I got home, I was exhausted. So the same after the the, the second, yeah. the chilly one, because yeah. oh, I guess the travelling was. Well, it was that. But once, it, once I got home, I, uh, you know, I was ready for a, a, a rest. Yeah. And, Unfortunately, England came away from from that World Cup and. Lost to Brazil. The, he went on to play a few more games for England. Yeah. But there was obviously the the '66 World Cup was on the horizon. Yeah. Well, um, well I'll, I'll tell you what happened with me. I'd, I'd been left out on the inside, right. but I was beginning to think I've got a chance to get back in, and I went to Little Little Shore where they do the. I was in the school. There was no game, but it was just like the Winterbottom and Harold Stepping Shepherds and it. And I was there and I thought, I have a bloody chance of getting back in this. And I was doing, uh, but this time I was not on the right wing, I was playing inside forward. And I was getting one or two headlines and nice things said about me. And I thought, I have a chance of getting in. But the start of the season, the next season, our manager was Jack Marshall, and he lived next door but one in Bolton to Bill Ridding, who was Bolton's manager. And they arranged a friendly at Bolton Wanderers, not at the ground, on the training ground. And I remember as if it were yesterday, when I was putting my boots on, it was only in a cabin, it was only like a field and whatnot, right. and it was a cabin. And Nice, nice captain. And I put it and I broke my lace. And they were kicking it in like the lads. So I came out and I said to the trainer, where's me, me, um, I said I broke my lace. I forget it was the trainer. And he said, if I have the bag, there's some there, blah, 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 blah. So I came in and got, well, putting a, a, a lace in a football boot, you go down and by the time I got my boots back on, the game started. And I came out, and Jack Marshall was the manager. And he said, I think it was Jack Marshall, he said, where have you been? 
It's a one nil down. I said, I've been putting my laces, you should check your laces before you get all the, you know, and I sort of said, oh, piss off or something to it. And I went on in a bit of a prison. Yeah. I'd only been on five minutes, and uh, George Sharple said, well, I can remember yesterday. And he played a ball on the length of this table. And I went for it, and this big centre-half for Bolton were coming to clear it. And I, I did that. I tried, tried to block it. Yeah. And he hit the ball under my foot. And right away, my knee caved in. And I didn't play again till after Christmas. And I were never, ever the same again. I played. There was a weakness. And even though I tried to hide it, I couldn't take, for example, if I stand up, I couldn't take, because I were a little bit of a warrior, you know. Yeah. I couldn't take, if you went that way, take the weight on here to go across. Yeah. I had to sort of go across with a bad leg. And, and also, I lost that yard or two. Oh, right. And I knew myself, but I tried to hide it, and, but eventually I had to pack it in. And uh, that was the end of my international career. I really slowly... But I've been grateful, I've had a great time and I've been grateful to football and I've had a fabulous life. Well, I'm sitting here in Blackburn in one of the uh, in one of the executive suites looking out onto your stand. Oh, well, that's about three or four years ago. You've got your name yeah. up there. Well, there's Roddy Clayton's on here, isn't he? Yeah. Well, he's, he's outside, isn't he? Uh, Rodney, well, he, he passed away about three years ago. His wife comes and she's we, there's a table. They're very good at the club, you know. Yeah. In, in that stand, um, near the halfway line, we have the, there's the dining there, mm. and we have a table in our name, Clayton Douglas table, and we we have a guest. Yeah. Sometimes we have more than one. <laughs> how did it feel when when your name? Well, I, 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 I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. I came to a dinner, some sportsman's dinner, yeah. in, in, in the main stand over there, and the bloke wanted to could have a few words, and while I was standing there, they opened the windows and all lit it up. Let, it were all lit up. Yeah. And I knew nothing about it. I was a bit overcome. A fair. So... Well, this this one's Ronnie Clayton's one, isn't it? Yeah, I've read that you're you're opposite each other, aren't you? Oh, right. well, and I the t- table we have on match days, mm. his wife comes now. Yeah. We used to be Ronnie, of course. Mm. And his wife comes with a friend or with a son, daughter. The club has been very good to me. That's what I'll say. They've been fabulous. But I I spent all as Ronnie did. We spent our full career here and never any real problems just a bit of a problem at the end with one of the managers well, well it was Quigley really he, uh, he, he was manager for a bit and I used to play with him and I used to be his room and I used to think the sun shone out of his ass <laughs> but as a manager he was a bloody washout he, some of his theories were right. crazy Crazy. Well, I mean, speaking of managers, what what do you make of Gareth Southgate 
and the, the current England set up? Well, he's got a good place to to pick and everything, and they should. I I'm a bit surprised that sometimes that yeah, as a player he was a very ordinary player as far as I'm concerned, but so was Walter Winterbottom in my time. Right, so you see similarities. So there's similar thing with that. I suppose it, it, good managers can see when things are going wrong and how to address them. But I'd certainly be told what to do by somebody who's done it themselves. Yeah. If you get what I mean. We haven't got any England players, really. That Well, you know, the, the, there's... Like Billy Wright. Yeah. But it, he... he Managed, but he was a bit. He wasn't. He, he never did much, you know. He and he was manager somewhere. I forget what he was. I don't know. But but he never sort of like Finneys and that. They never bothered about being managers or whatnot. Did they? Yourself? No, no, I didn't know it. No, I had enough. No. I had enough. And enjoying the football career. I was thankful for. I've been a lucky lad. I've been a lucky lad. And have, you know, the, the people say, the wages today, which I think is ridiculous anyway. But I've never wanted, I'm, I weren't paid that much, but I've never ever wanted for anything. No. I've had good holidays, I've had a good life, and uh, I'm thankful for football and, and this club as, as well. I mean, they've looked after us, this club. And I was only born less than a, a mile away. Yeah. So um, I knew about football when I was sort of 10 and 11. And I played on here before I, for the school in finals, before I actually come to the club. I played for Blackburn School Boys and I played this. So I, it wasn't strange when I came. I knew the dressing room and everything. Right. So it's been home from home for me. During the war, I used to come on. That's the door, what we call the door then. It's called my name now. Yeah. But they used to different different structure. And there used to be ammunition boxes on from the war. We used to make dens and stuff, <laughs> you know. But this is when I was about 10. Yeah. And I used to go to school with less than 100 yards behind that stand. So I've been familiar with and, and seen players, you know. In them days, players didn't live in Manchester. They lived locally. Yeah. And you used to see them in the streets. And, and if I was playing, there's what they call criminals, I, near the school, one or two would be passing, keep me left, lad, you know, and they'd shout to Jack Campbell and all, all that. So I've grown up. In the football environment, really, a little local lad, and through football, I've I've seen hell of a lot of the world. I've met so many people, you know. I met the Queen. And Have you? I, I got home and well, I, well, it was Billy Wright's hundredth cap, right? And we had to shake hands with the Queen. And we were told we hadn't to speak to her unless she spoke to you. When I got home, my wife said, "Did she?" Did she say anything to you? I said, yeah, she asked me how you and the kids were. She says, isn't she well briefed? <laughs> she never said the bloody word. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, um, 
again through football. It's not not just football. You, you, I met TV personalities and different people here, there, and everywhere. And so it's opened a lot of doors for you and everything. And it's been great. So I hope it stays that way for another year or two. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Thank you. Oh, wasn't that great? That was the story of Chile 1962 through the eyes of Brian Douglas. Blackburn Rovers legend and former Three Lion, who was part of the squad that went and played in Chile. Absolutely fascinating. Huge thanks to him and big thanks also go to Rob Gill and all at Blackburn Rovers for their hospitality and help with organising that meet-up. As we mentioned in the chat, England bowed out of the tournament to Brazil, as they would do again in later years. That's an episode for another day. Brazil would go on to play the host Chile in the semi-final, beating them 4-2 in Santiago in front of 76,000. On the same day, at the same time, but in Vina del Mar, some 120 kilometres north, Czechoslovakia beat Yugoslavia 3-1. And the final, played on the 17th of June, between Brazil and Czechoslovakia, saw the Czechs go one up. But Brazil would come back with goals from Amarildo, Zito and Vava, and they would go on to pick up the Jules Rimo trophy for the second time. And just as Italy had done in 1934 and 38, they became only the second team to defend their title. Something that no team has since done. Thank you as always for tuning in. If you've missed the previous episodes, they are available at your podcast provider or 3lionspodcast.com. There is the early World Cups episode and the one before this, again with Brian Douglas, where he spoke about Sweden in 1958. Now I'm sure you'll all know the next instalment, the one where football really did come home. And I've had a chat with someone who was there. Again, really great to hear the stories from that time. A time that I only know from reading about and seeing grainy TV footage. So that episode is coming your way very soon. Hit the subscribe button on your podcast provider. You won't miss it. My name is Russell Osborne and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Don't forget you can follow the show on all the social media channels, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Go on, give it a search, give it a follow. And I'll be back with you with some more England content very soon, which I hope you can join me for. So until then, please do look after yourselves. Cheers. <laughs>